So yes, yeah, so we have uh, Kevin here. Actually, I don't even know your last name, Kevin. Oh my God, what's your last name? My last name is you. You, right. You? Okay. Hi, you. Hey, you. You probably get that a lot. Um, so yeah, we're going to talk about uh, regenerative landscapes for the next, at least next few episodes. So to start off with, I thought um, the participants could tell uh, our listeners a little bit about themselves. So we'll start with Kevin as to maybe how you got into this whole regenerative landscape idea. Um, maybe what you did growing up as a kid or schooling or what kind of crazy ideas you had. Hello, listeners. My name is Kevin Yu. Welcome to our podcast about regenerative landscape. A little bit about myself to make everyone more interested in our content. The more you listen, the more you would realize that I am the fun guy that you need for your daily life. Whether it's trying to get up in the morning, on your way to work, or get stuck in the elevator, because who knows, things happen sometimes. I'll light up your day. I was born and raised in Shanghai, China, a metropolis where the dreams come true, or it's supposed to be. To be honest with all the listeners out there, 20 years of living in Shanghai, I've never thought of getting into regenerative landscape that is considered blue collar. While everyone talked about getting into the big banks' investments, the so-called white or golden collar, that's where the real money's at. Until I went to the university and I had a chance to visit United Kingdom as an exchange student, and you wouldn't believe it that the first thing that shocked me was that the sky was blue, that azure blue with white clouds. I have never seen that before. It was always yellow and grayish back home, but of course I didn't know that the sky could be this color because I haven't ever seen it in my life. Then I realized that all the things I have seen since a kid was just not right. I felt like I was that frog in the bottom of the well that thought the sky is only the size of the well. It's sad, but it was the reality. And that had a huge impact in my life, which led to a series of events. Like the historians would call it a catalyst. I decided to do something about the environment because whatever they were doing back home was just not right. Well, I mean, not not right, because you need someone to manufacture stuff for the entire world. And it, become, it happens to be China because the labor is cheap and all the politics. But I'm not talking about politics today. Let's focus on my story. I didn't like pollution, and I thought I should go to a country that cares about the environment and learn something about it. Back in United Kingdom, I happened to meet a group of Canadian students, and they told me that I should move to Canada because Canadians are super friendly. I looked at them. They did look super friendly, so I believed them. <laughs> After some research about Canadian provinces and cities, I found Vermilion. Yes, from 30 million people to 4,000 people, and surprisingly, I was not culture shocked. Good for you. Reason why I picked Lakeland College is because they have a very good website, and I have to mention it's not sponsored by them, <laughs> but they did have a very good website. I still remember that. The reason why I chose environmental science is for the sole purpose of immigration. Back in the day, the oil and gas industry were booming. Mm -hmm. They needed the reclamation guys to go clean up their mess afterwards. It was like a no-brainer. 
Everyone could get a job. It is a very good program. Learned a lot of stuff that was brand new to me and definitely changed how I think about the environment. Before in the city, it was always concrete and skyscrapers. In Vermilion, it was just farmland and nature. Anyways, I graduated in 2015, oil crashed, and I got lucky and had the opportunity to work for the government of Alberta for the summer, inspecting aquatic invasive species such as mussels and milfoils. By the way, if you're listening, don't ever take your boat to Manitoba. It's just not good. Anyway, the government didn't have the funding to keep the things going during winter times, and I had to find a full-time job for immigration. I ended up working for a Fortune 500 big corporation. I'm not going to mention the name here, just in case I get into unnecessary legal issues. <laughs> After working as a manager for them for several years and seeing different kinds of lives coming by, first I become damn well at pleasing the consumers. Second, I realized how the company has been promoting sustainability, at least on the PR scale. They don't actually deliver that in real life. I mean, I have to give them credit for coming up with all the sustainable ideas, but the execution is a different story. It really made me wonder what I could do to make a difference. Then COVID happened. They say that the God, when the God closes one window, he opens the door for you or something like that. I'm not religious, I'm not religious, but I'm just mentioning those. Those months staying at home actually gave me time to think about what to do for my life. I regret that I didn't start thinking about that way earlier, but I guess better late than never. I talked to Dan about starting a business promoting regenerative landscape and just to do something good for the environment and educate the public at the same time so more people are aware. I did a chart about what the world needs, what's my passion, what makes money. It's a shallow thing to say that you simply, but you simply cannot deny it that money is important in your life. You have to make a living and support the family in some form. After putting all the pieces together, I like taking photos. I love nature. The world needs sustainability. I should just start a naturalization company, Regenerative Landscape. People have done a lot to survive on the planet and unfortunately through destroying the environment, consciously or unconsciously. I really think it's time to start doing something so we can live with the environment harmoniously. Just think about the future generation. They bring us future. They are those big, there are those big cities with buildings everywhere and there are naturalized areas with native species. Why, so, so why not just have a city within the nature or nature within the city? No one ever said that those two things cannot coexist. And I hope our podcast can not only entertain, but also educate and teach everyone about that. Wow. And considering I didn't know too much about you before, so this, I mean, that gives a, a much bigger scope for me. That's that's amazing. I didn't realize you'd lived right in the big city in China. Dan and I think, you know, we you do. If you've grown up in the big wide open spaces, you do possibly take it for granted a bit that the sky is, for the most part, always blue and the sun will always be there. So it's, it just blows my mind to find out, you know, somebody living where the sky is kind of yellow gray all the time. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's not, not a good thing, but yeah, very cool. So Dan, Dan Adams, um, 
what got you into this whole regenerative landscape idea? Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> where do I begin? Uh, yeah, like, I mean, I've lived in Edmonton my whole life, um, and I've always lived pretty close to uh, the River Valley, and I've just grew up with parents that were just very um, trying to instill ideas of, you know, you know, taking care of nature and like I mean my mom has this this does her gardening and all this stuff you know every year and she takes great pride in it and it's just something that like I kind of just latched on to at a young age and that kind of just mm-hmm. kind of pointed me in the right direction of kind of you know regenerative landscapes or just the idea of just like nature I guess um so yeah again like living close to the river valley that gave me a lot of opportunities to actually you know just you know, literally just walk down <laughs> right there. It's just, you know, it was a quick walk. Uh, mm-hmm. And just kind of appreciating, you know, how close uh, something like that is within this kind of big urban uh, center. Um, and so that gave me a really good appreciation for it. And, you know, kind of going through, you know, school all the way up until high school, like, um, took more focus on kind of the sciences more than anything because it just gave me more I was just always more interested in it than you know anything kind of in arts or whatever else and I mean there wasn't any uh, course that was specific to you know uh, nature or you know reclamation restoration stuff in high school junior high elementary it was just all kind of basic kind of uh, nature stuff but um with kind of focusing, being having a big interest in science, um, I kind of thought, okay, well, as soon as I'm done high school, I kind of want to go that direction. And actually, I was kind of thinking of going more into the human kind of like biology side of it. So even getting into animals a little bit, because, you know, that was kind of the last thing in high school was taking, you know, chemistry 30 and biology and kind of just learning all that stuff. Uh, but then uh, a family friend told me about this program at Lakeland College because he took uh, a wildlife program there and you know he said well you know this should be you know you should give it a go at least go to the open house and you know take a look at it and see if it's something of interest to you so uh, I figured well you know uh, first I mean and this was right out of high school and I'm like well first I'll take a year off to kind of think about it a little bit more but that also gave me the opportunity to actually go to uh, open house that they were having there and kind of look up their programs and you know I was thinking yeah I'm gonna go for the wildlife one too because you know I I thought that was kind of the most interesting but then uh, they were talking more about all their other programs that they offered and one that kind of stuck out a little bit more to me was their uh, restoration ecology program where it was kind of a little bit more focused on well ecology uh, but more plants um, and I thought well you know what, I'll give that a go, because the tour that I took, you know, they were all very uh, insightful, they were able to answer all my questions, and I thought, well, yeah, this sounds a little bit more up my... Huh? Yeah. <laughs> so I thought, yeah, you know what, I'm gonna, I'll give this a go. And also, I kind of wanted to do something a little different than just going to the U of A here in Edmonton and just, you know, doing four years in some sort of, you know, biology, environmental sciences type program. I kind of wanted to do something a little bit different because I think a big selling point was um, with Lakeland College was um, their hands-on learning. 
So a lot of their program, most of the classes, there was some sort of hands-on component to it. So, you know, there's a lot of labs where we actually went out to different sites and actually, you know, did plan ID, did actual soil testing and, you know, learning all these concepts that, you know, are actually applicable to, you know, once you get into the job market, like, you know, a lot of employers look for those kind of skills and uh, sometimes you don't get that with other institutions, but I thought Lakeland did a very good job with that. And, you know, it was a two year uh, stint. So I figured, well, two years isn't the worst thing. I get a diploma out of it. And then if I want to do more, then I can either stick at Lakeland or get transferred to somewhere else and continue that learning. Uh, but yeah. Um, and then as I went through doing a uh, restoration ecology there, you know, I had, had a really good time. And yeah, I, like Kevin, I got a better appreciation or better understanding, I guess, of, you know, the whole idea of, you know, restoration, reclamation, how like all these things tie into the idea of sustainability and what we can do to it kind of make, make the world a better place. And yeah, just kind of pointed me in that direction to kind of do more uh, to help out in that regard. And that, and then, yeah, so once I was done at Lakeland, uh, I decided, well, you know, with the uh, oil market not doing so great, uh, right, getting right out of college, I'm like, well, I'm going to go to the U of A and, f and get a degree out of it because I got the whole restoration ecology side of things, but I never got a good grasp on the reclamation side of it. And the U of A with the transfer, I was able to do another two years there and get kind of that side of things and learn more about reclamation. So I kind of got kind of two halves of the same coin and I was very appreciative of being able to get that experience. Uh, but anyway, so um, after transferring to the U of A, I actually was able to find an opportunity through a mutual friend uh, to work for this environmental company within Edmonton called Clark Ecosciences Sustainability. Yeah. And it's, you know, and it sounded like a very interesting prospect of, well, it's this, you know, little small uh, company that's looking to promote the idea of sustainability. And it's right here in the city. And just kind of all the projects that I saw that they were working on, I thought, well, that seems kind of interesting. Like I never thought of doing kind of reclamation or restoration in an urban uh, setting. I was thinking more kind of working on oil fuel patches or kind of out on the boonies, but something in the city kind of sparked an interest. So I thought, well, I'm going to give the, see if they're looking for people to bring on. And that, what was it? 2016 is when I started uh, there. And I was able to get an opportunity to work for that one summer because I was still at the U of A uh, for another year. But with that one summer, it was such a diverse learning experience because, you know, I learned all these different aspects of what goes into promoting the idea of sustainability and working kind of to uh, promote like regenerative landscapes, whether it be dealing with like actual growing up the plants, installing the plants and, you know, working with the public with these constructed wetlands that are built in uh, these new neighborhoods and just all these things kind of coming together and and I thought well yeah this and you know as soon as the summer was done I went back to school but I kind of thought well you know I'll be done the following year with my schooling and I thought well maybe I'm gonna 
ring them up again, Clark Eco Science, and see if they're still looking for people. And sure enough, it was actually them that called me saying, we liked you working for us. Can you continue working? And I'm like, sure, let's uh, <laughs> let's give another go because I was going to call you guys. Yeah, I think that's the main thing. Um, for those of you, obviously, you're listening, so you wouldn't be able to see Dan, but he's got the coolest fro you've ever seen. So <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. I probably should take better care of it, but that's another story. Um yeah, so, uh, yeah, I continued to work with them uh, until last year. So worked for them for almost, yeah, about four years. And, again, the projects were just so varying. Um, but, you know, I loved it. I mean, there was ups and downs, and that happens with any any job that you're working with. But with this one, it was nice that, again, you know, it was close to home. I was right in the city, and it was all over the city. But the projects and the work was just so varied as to one day I could be in a greenhouse, you know, growing all these plants uh, native to the area to be used for projects. And then another day I could be doing uh, installing plants on a constructed wetland. And then another day I can be doing pesticide control, whether that be, you know, hand pulling weeds, you know, for some people that's kind of tedious and some days it was. And then other days, you know, I kind of liked it because it was a nice change of (laughs) doing other kind of work. So, you know, I was very appreciative of having that opportunity for uh, the few years I had with Clark Ecoscience to do that kind of work. Um, and then, so yeah, last year was kind of my last year working for them. And come this year, COVID happens, and there was an opportunity for me to work for another company to kind of do something similar with Clark Ecoscience. But then, yeah, with COVID, things didn't really work out. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's kind of affected everybody. Uh with work and whatnot. Uh, But anyway, so kind of the summer of 2020, I had a lot of time to kind of think about, okay, where do I kind of want to go with things with not really having much work to do and um, a lot of free time. Uh, And then me and Kevin here got to talking and thought, well, you know, there's kind of a still uh, a lot of space uh, in the market for, you know, this kind of work and there's not many other people doing it. So why don't we do it small, but do it uh, do it with the education that we have? Like, we got the expertise, we have the knowledge to do this kind of work, and we kind of figured, well, let's try to promote that idea of sustainability and create these regenerative landscapes for people that are kind of looking to um, help the environment a little bit more and kind of reduce the effects of climate change that are happening now, because that's the big thing that uh, is kind of on the horizon right now is <laughs> climate change is it's been here and it's going to be here for a bit unless we kind of figure out ways to kind of reduce our impact on uh on this planet because we only got one planet so we gotta <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh gotta treat it right so yeah we figure if we can start this little small company here in edmonton and get a few people to kind of think more about, yeah, maybe you want to do, maybe throw some native plants and create a regenerative landscape right on your yard to help with, help saving the planet a little bit. I mean, if we can do that, I think, I think that's a good start. And if we can encourage and uh, other people to do the same in their own little ways, I think, I think we've done good. So, awesome. so yeah, that's, yeah, that's my story <laughs> in a nutshell. Well, I feel 
so out of place here with all, you know, both of you with your education, your traveling and all this kind of stuff. And then little old me. So, uh, I guess for starters, I'm older than you guys by a ways, <laughs> but uh, anyway, we'll pretend like age has nothing to do with it. Um, so when I started out, I grew up on the prairies, actually, just northeast of Calgary. And I guess I was unusual right from from day one, as soon as I could get out walking out in the field. Because uh, unlike other children that wanted to hang out with their friends and go to the malls and, you know, do normal kid stuff, um, I just love going out into the fields and sometimes doing nothing but just watching and uh, even before I got into biology class in school, I started noticing things. It's like, oh, wow, even within our field out here, we had 20 acres. And even, even out there, the dugout, you know, there's a diverse wetland ecosystem. There's salamanders. There's bugs. There's birds. There's plants. There's all kinds of things. I'd sit there floating on a raft for hours just staring at stuff and, and learning things just by watching. Then I'd go out onto the, the prairie side of things. And, of course, we have the lovely Richardson ground squirrels, the gophers by the carload. And, but then along with that, we've also got hawks and coyotes and foxes and rabbits. And, you know, on and on it went. And then I started to realize, wow, like even in this 20-acre parcel, which relatively speaking is, is quite small compared to the vast landscape of Canada, um, it's amazing how in such a small space so many things uh, coexist together. And so then I started to realize, uh, you know what? Uh, it's great to want to look abroad. I mean, I went to Belize. I loved it. I do want to maybe have a retirement home there in the winter. But if you look in your own backyard, it's amazing the diversity we have right here and so many different landscapes right in even the province of Alberta. I've been fortunate enough to live on the prairies growing up, then I moved to <clears throat> the foothills just um, southwest of Calgary, and so it's right at the base of the mountains. Uh, Ten-minute drive, we could hit the Rockies and go skiing or whatever, and yet we were right at the base of the mountains there, right along the uh, the Cowboy Trail to Longview. So lots of um, summer transient touristy traffic, but again. Uh, a whole different ball game there. That's when I guess I really started to appreciate the plant life as well. Um, my mom and my grandmother had always been gardening and typical that they did the large row gardening with the vegetables and everything, but it wasn't until I went off on my own, I started looking and, and noticing more of the, the native plants that we had. And then I started realizing, wow, a lot of them are very complex in how they grow and how they interact with other species. And the fact that, well, you got to say, if it can survive in Alberta, it can flip and survive anywhere. Because our, like you say, with the climate change, the different um, ecosystems, we've got fluctuations from one into the other. It can be plus 30, and then it, in the winter it gets down to minus 40. you got snow, you got wind, you've got hail, you've got uh, hot sun, it gets dry, it gets flooded, wet. And it varies from year to year, season to season. And here these plants just keep on trucking along regardless. So I'm sitting there going, all right, if those plants can make it, we can make it through COVID. We can make it through everything. We just got to, you know, pay more attention to these uh, plants and to nature, I think, to figure out how to do it, right? Um, but unlike you guys, I never... Uh, well, I, did, I went to college. I actually went to Olds College. This is another... 
um, agricultural type college. Uh, but my area of expertise actually was in equine science. So yes, we had soils as a part of that and we had forage crops, which was a part of that. But for the most part, the plant part of it, um, ecology, all that kind of thing, it was pretty far removed. Um, so it wasn't until I got out to the job force and I'd worked at quite a few barns with the horses and done a bit of training and that kind of thing. But I found for the most part, I was at the end of a shovel cleaning out stalls. And after doing that for about five years or so, I thought, you know, I want to do more than shovel manure. So I, I started looking around for different jobs. Um, I was a pet groomer. I worked in greenhouses and did some landscaping, uh, you know, all kinds of odd jobs here and there. But uh, over time, it was definitely the, the greenhouse landscaping, gardening, the, the plant part of it really started to take hold. And then, um, geez, it'd be about, what, four, four years ago now that I moved up here, um, close to where, where Dan and Kevin are now. I'm just west of Edmonton, uh, just west of Stony Plain, and we're on acreage here. But now I've had the experience of living in the, where the parkland, uh, the Aspen Parkland meets the Boreal Forest and there's another ecosystem there. And I'm just, everywhere I go, I'm amazed. Like, wow, there's all these new plants that I hadn't seen before and they're still all in the same province. Um, so yeah, I decided that um, on the one hand, like Dan and, and Kevin, I think, um, yeah, I want to preserve this world that we live in. Um, one person maybe can't save the whole entire world, but to do my part to uh, help, return the environment as back to as close as of its natural state as possible, hence the regenerative landscapes. Um, I also want to share the knowledge that I've gained over the years with other people, particularly the younger people, because they're the ones that are going to be taking the reins and uh, watching over this world long after we're gone, we hope. Um, so we want to give them all the tools that they can, can have so that they can do a good job of it and, uh, you know, further keep doing the reclamation and the uh, regenerative landscapes. And um, so, yeah, I, I may not have the the scientific background uh, of these other two guys, but I definitely have the passion and the, I guess, what you'd call street smarts or real world knowledge of all these things that I've uh, learned from different people, from what I've watched, from where I've lived, what I've grown myself. And it's evolved to the point now where I've got my own business, Medieval Manor Gardens, where our aim is to uh, grow and perpetuate uh, native species and cold hardy species that can survive in our lovely Alberta climate and to educate the people so that they know how to utilize these plants and that it doesn't matter whether you've got a little tiny uh, deck with a couple pots or whether you've got a big huge farm there's definitely a room for regenerative landscaping and you can incorporate these native plants and these these cold hardy plants and these very very useful plants into your everyday lives in a small or large capacity so um and yeah i was also lucky enough along with dan uh, i stumbled into clark ecoscience uh, a few years back as well and started out just working on their, their ground crew 
and then worked my way up to uh, being greenhouse manager. And like Dan says, it's a very, very unusual uh, type of employment because it was so diverse just within the company itself. Um, the owner of the company had a vision um, that I haven't seen, a vision and a passion that I haven't seen in anyone else before or since about the environment, about uh, the native plants and um, having these very innovative ideas about how to use them, not just like what Dan was saying in the uh, reclamation setting, but in the urban scheme of things, because uh, the cities are growing. And as long as the human population is healthy, it's not going to stop growing. So instead of maybe focusing on uh, the land that we have left, maybe we need to figure out things we can do with the the city lands that have been converted already and figure out how we can maybe convert some of that back or incorporate more green into them so that uh, there's more of a balance. Because like um, I think uh, Kevin was saying earlier, you can't have just pure environment and you can't have just pure uh, economy going. You have to have a balance of both um, in order for humanity to survive. So it's finding that balance, and I think that's what we're here for. So I'm hoping with these next podcasts that we come out with, we can share information on uh, what we know about the regenerative landscapes, um, what that means, like basically our uh, what we're thinking the regenerative landscapes is all about is that you're doing what you can to return an area back to as close to its natural state as possible. Um, and in our minds, we think that's a good thing and it's going to help out uh, our little piece of the world, uh, hopefully for not just the near future, but for a long way down the road. That was very well said. Thank you, Don, for hosting this podcast session. And thank you guys for tuning in for our very first podcast session. There are lots of stuff to learn yet, and I hope we can learn all those stuff with the listeners. Please remember to visit fastq.ca and also mmgardens.ca for more information. There are more to come, Facebook page, Instagram. They'll come before the vaccine for sure. Last but not least, the first 100 subscribers can receive 20% off their first purchase up to $100 value through mmgardens.ca. First 50 subscribers can get 10% off 2020 watt yard maintenance service from FastQ Naturalization Corp. Make sure you guys use the promo code Regenerative Landscapes 2020. And all right, see you guys next time.